0: You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Boutin on the Calvary Brighton podcast. Now, uh, (coughs) pardon me. A little choked up this morning uh, as, as we look at this passage let's let's keep the the context of this passage in mind remember back in chapter five we, we, we looked at the so-called deeds of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit and then in chapter six last week we, we saw that that Paul illustrates what that looks like in other words he he illustrated what a spiritual person looks like he, he points out that a, a, a spiritual person that is a person who's walking by the spirit a person who has spiritual fruit in their life is someone who who restores a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ who's fallen into sin. Remember back in chapter 6 verse 1, Paul said, "If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness." And so now in this section, Paul keeps that same theme going as we now go back to verse 6 and now Paul tells us that we share the reward. We share the reward So in verse six, he says, let the one who's taught the word share in all good things with the one who teaches. Now listen, I don't know about you, but I just love that verse. Uh, you know, no, I mean, frankly, I, I was tempted to kind of skim over this verse. In fact, I think last service, first service, I, I might have hit it just a little too weak because, you know, I, I didn't want anybody to feel like I was hitting you up for cash this morning. You know, I, I, I didn't want anybody to think, well, I, you know, Pastor Paul is, you know, he's, he's, he's teaching me the Word of God, so I guess I better pull out my wallet, I guess I better pull out my, my checkbook and, and, you know, ensure all my good things with him. No, no listen, that, that, that is what this verse is kind of saying but 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 before i break this down let me just say that that this morning i'm not looking for a tip okay so you know i'm not going to stand at the door with my hand out you know and you know uh, but you know over the years you know i mean we've had people that that just it, for whatever reason they want to bless us you know and so they'll come up and and they'll give amy and i you know gift cards maybe it's for pastor's appreciation or or this year it was more so for christmas uh but you know they give you a gift card to chili's or or uh to a movie or something like that and and, and you know and and we have a little place where we keep these gift cards so that, you know, we can have a date night, you know, and it's such a blessing, you know, especially when things get tight, like right now with inflation and the economy, things are very, very tight, so, so it is a blessing to every now and then be able, uh, be, because of someone else's generosity, have a date night, be able to be able to go out and do something. Now, as I, as I, as I share all this, you know, typically the way you would hear a preacher, you know, uh, interpret this kind of a passage is they would turn and they'd say, hey, you know what? Don't forget to pay your preacher. You know, he shares God's word with you, so you make sure you share your financial blessings with him. Uh, In in fact, listen to how the New Living Translation renders the same verse. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6 in the New Living Translation says, Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Now listen, that is a biblical principle. Listen, it, it's biblical to tithe. It's, it's biblical to give. It's biblical to support the work of the ministry. The Bible says in, in, in 1 Corinthians 9.14, in the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should get their uh, should, should receive their living from the gospel. So you might say that a spiritual person is a tithing person. A spiritual person is a giving person. But having said that... Let me just say that you know it's been a blessing to, to lead this church for the last 25 years. Listen, can you believe that? In May 1st, we're coming up on May 1st, it'll be our 25th anniversary as a church. I planted this church, started this church when I was 12 years old. <laughs> Not quite, just you, know, just, you know. But, you know, 25 years of being able to, to serve the Lord and, and bring God's word to you, week in and week out for 25 years, and it's been such a blessing. But do you realize that in all... All those 25 years, we've never passed out a collection plate. We've never passed out, a, a, you know, a, an offering bag or anything like that. We just have a box in the back of the room, uh, you know, or online. If you want to give that way at our website, calvarychapelbrighton.com, there's a little thing you click give. You can give that way. But you know we 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 we've, we've never really, you know, hit you up for cash and 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 poured on the guilt trip and and you know, bring my kids up with you know all, all shrunk up clothing and you know and you know alms for the poor. You know, we just we've never tried to guilt trip you into anything. We just we just trusted the Lord, right? Now, listen, over the years, for 20, 25 years, yeah, we've had our seasons where, where the giving was more than abundant, and then we've had our seasons where the giving was less than abundant, you know? I mean, you know, in fact, uh, last year, and really the year before, very, very abundant. I mean, the Lord was very, very gracious. You know, even though there was this thing called a pandemic and, and everything else, the Lord was very, very gracious. But now this year, uh, it, it, you would definitely call this a low season. You know, giving this year is definitely lower than it was last year. In fact, giving uh, in, in, in February, the last month, was much, much lower than the month before, like almost half lower, um, and so dramatically lower. And yet, at the same time, in 25 years, if it's taught me anything, God is faithful, God is faithful. He's always kept the lights on, and so we just trust that the same God who kept the lights on in the high months is the same God who's going to keep the lights on in the low months. He's never failed us yet, and so we're not about, you know, just because we're in a lower season, we're not going to start handing out offering bags, or or worse yet, pass around the box, you know, just take that big box and just kind of, you know, we just, you know, uh, we, we might mention to you the season that we're in, but that's it. You know, but we trust the Lord in, in those moments. Now, with that, it, it, it's interesting to, to consider the context that, that, that Paul was talking in. Remember, in context, Paul wasn't talking about tithing, was he? He wasn't talking about, about giving. If you remember, what was the context? Well, in the context, Paul was talking about restoring a brother who's fallen into sin. Or back in verse 2, he's, he's talking about, you know, helping a brother carry their burden. You know, there's somebody who's carrying a huge load in life. In fact, it's, it's a load that's so heavy, it's designed for an entire team of people to carry. But you got this guy trying to shoulder the whole load by himself. And he's literally being crushed under the weight of it. In fact, the, the text seems to imply that, that that pressure that he's under might be the very thing that's causing him to collapse and, and, and to give in to sin in the first place. And so it, it's, it's weird that in that context, all of a sudden, Paul's like, you know, hey, don't forget about Pastor's Appreciation Day. Unless that maybe it was a burden that he was carrying that was just, you know, uh, the load that was just too heavy for him. I don't know. But, you know, it's just kind of a weird, you know, th- the timing just to kind of throw this in there. Well, let's keep the flow in mind, keep the context in mind. Again, the flow is, is, that, is that there's someone in the church There's there's someone that that you know, a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, who's fallen into sin. And so you come alongside them, and and you teach them what the Word of God says. And in the process, you've restored them. You've you've helped them get out of the sin that they're in, and you've restored them back into fellowship. You've brought them back. And, And now, what they share with you, it says, are all good things. The Greek term is agathos kind of the implication the idea is is that is that before when they were still in sin they didn't have anything good to share with you they were in sin everything was bad there was nothing good to share but now that they've repented now that you've restored them well now they have good things to share and I think the the the, the, the thought that's being communicated here and, and by the way this is not just unique to me there, there are other uh, much better Bible teachers than myself uh, who, who, who point this out. Guys like Skip Heidsick, Warren Wiersbe, John MacArthur, the list goes on and on and on, who point out that, 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 that really the thought that's being communicated here is, is that as you teach them the Word, as, as you train them in the Word of God, as, as you disciple them, well, then the reward they share with you is their growth, their maturity. Skip Heidsick puts it this way. He says, the payoff of restoration is maturation. And so here's the picture. The picture is that when a sensitive believer restores a sinning believer, that restored believer becomes a productive believer. Let me say that again. When a sensitive believer uh, re- re- restores a, a, a sinful believer, that restored believer becomes a productive believer. They now have something to offer. And so yeah, they, they come back to church and yeah, they might start tithing again and giving, but it's, it's more than that. They have spiritual gifts, they have talents, they have abilities, they have all these things that they now can offer. They're not in sin anymore. They're they're not living this old lifestyle. Their life has changed and now they have so much to offer and now the whole body shares that reward. And so the reward that they share is that now that they have been restored to the body, they have all those good things to share with the body. Now on that note, now Paul in, in verses seven and eight, now talks about reaping and sowing. He says in verse seven, do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And so now we have the biblical principle of reaping and sowing. In other words, you reap what you sow. And really this is a twofold principle Meaning that, that, that principle number one is that you sow to the flesh, but principle number two is that you sow to the spirit. So let's break these down. First of all, principle number one, you sow to the flesh. Paul says, if you sow to the flesh, you will reap from the flesh corruption. In other words, the, 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 the biblical principle here is that if you sow to the flesh, in other words, if you sow sin, well, then you know what? God is going to allow you to reap the consequences of it. It's like the little girl who, who got into trouble with her parents, and her mom and dad said, you know what, honey, if, if you do that again, you're going to have to live with the consequences. And she started crying, and she's like, she's like no, mommy and daddy, no, I, I, I want to stay here. I want to live here with you guys. I don't want to live with the consequences, whoever they are. But you know what? It's true. If you sin, you have to live with the consequences. You reap what you sow. Here's, a, here's how the book of Job puts it. Job 4 verse 8 says, As I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. You reap what you sow. In fact, I think a, a, a biblical illustration of, of, of this principle is the entire book of Judges. Now keep in mind, the entire book of Judges covers a, a period, a span of time of 450 years. Now, during that 450 years that the people of Israel, they, they kept repeating the same problem over and over and over again. The, the same pattern. And what was the pattern? Well, the pattern was, was that they would sin, and, and then they would reap the consequences. Those consequences would then drive them to repent and, and then God would rescue them, but then they would repeat the pattern. And they would sin again. They would reap again. They would repent again. And, and, and then they would sin again, and they just kept repeating it over and over again. In fact, the, many Bible teachers call this the sin cycle. They're in the sin cycle over and over and over again. And so finally, when they repented, God would raise up a quote-unquote judge. Now, by the way, the word judge there comes from the Hebrew shafat. Now, Shafat does not really describe a judge in a courtroom. Rather, uh, you know, it's not not so much like, you know, like like Judge Judy. You remember Judge Judy? Justice with an attitude. It's not really describing, you know, that kind of a judge. In fact, really, the word judge, uh, the Hebrew word Shafat, is better translated deliverer, rescuer. A hero, and so God raises up this, this hero who rescues them, this hero who delivers them. And over the span of 450 years, there were 13 of them, 12 men, one woman. And So there were guys like, like Gideon and, and, and Samson, but then there was a woman by the name of Deborah. And God used them to rescue and deliver his people every time they repented and cried back out to the Lord. But then what happened? What's well, kind of like the guy you know who who has an addiction and you know and has a you know a, a problem and, and you know this drug ha- habit or whatever and they, and they promise that's the last time it'll never happen again and 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 I'll never do it again and then what happens they end up doing it again, that was the nation of Israel, they they they, they, they you know they repent they promise it'll never happen again and then they repeat the cycle again and again and again, but what we have is this principle that you know what. Yeah, God will allow you to sin. God will allow you to sow your wild oats, but you know what else? God will allow you to reap. In fact, here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 6, he openly warns us. And he, by saying, I'm sorry, not verse 6, verse 7, by saying, do not be deceived. God has not mocked, whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Whereas one Bible commentator put it, you will reap with interest. <laughs> Or think of it this way, you, you, you go and you sow one tiny little seed of sin and, and you just need to be prepared that you might harvest a bumper crop of consequences. Or as it's worded in Hosea 8 verse 7, they sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. And so the principle is that if you sow to the flesh, <clears throat> you reap corruption. But then principle number two, as we pick it back up in verses 8 and 9, is, is sowing to The Spirit sowing to the Spirit. Again in verse (coughs) 8, pardon me, after Paul says that if you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption, he then says, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And then verse 9, and let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And so first of all, Paul says that if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap eternal life. And so, in other words, just as it's true that if, that if you sow sin, you're going to reap the consequences of it, on the flip side, it's also true that, that if you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap eternal life. Now, I think this is speaking of evangelism. In other words, you go out and you share the gospel, you sow the seeds of the gospel, if you would, you can expect that there's a chance that you're going to reap eternal life, meaning that if you share the gospel with someone, they might come to Christ. They, they, they might become believers in Christ, and now that they are now in the kingdom of God, they spend eternity in heaven, because you sowed the gospel, they get eternal life. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 verse 13 said, I often plan to come to you, but I was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you as also among the other Gentiles. So the idea is, is, that, is that when you sow the seeds of the gospel, you can expect that you might reap spiritual fruit. Those those the, That person that becomes a believer, those people that accept Jesus, that's your spiritual fruit. That's your spiritual harvest. But then it's interesting. Then Paul, in Galatians 6 verse 9, adds this thought. After he says you can reap eternal life, he says... And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season you will reap if you do not give up. Now, it's interesting. In the one breath, he's saying, you know, go and, 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 and share the gospel, sow the seeds of the gospel, because you can reap eternal life. But be warned, you might grow weary. You might get worn out. You know, you, 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 you might feel like giving up. And he keeps using these terms, sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Listen, these are farming terms, right? you know i mean you know the picture is a farmer who's, who's sowing seed and, and, and now he, he reaps you know he, he harvests food he harvests a crop and and now the picture is, is that evangelism it, it, like farming is 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 hard work you know, it's hard work. I mean, you got to go out and plow the ground, and then, and then you prep the soil, and then finally you get to sow the seed, but you're not done because now you've got to tend, and you've got to, you've got to pull the weeds, and you've got to water. And, and if all goes as according to plan, you might just reap a bumper crop. But hey, listen, the problem farming, like life, the problem is that they rarely go as planned. I mean, listen, yeah, there, there can be droughts, there can be floods, there can be hail, there, there can be disease, and, and sometimes, no matter how hard you work, that seed never takes root. You, 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 the, the harvest never comes, and it can be very discouraging. Well, the same is true spiritually. You go out and you share the gospel with someone. You know, maybe there's, there's someone in your life. Maybe it's a family member, maybe an unbelieving parent. Maybe it's a child, maybe, maybe it's a coworker, maybe, maybe it's a neighbor, but you love them and you care for them and you want, you want to see them in heaven for eternity. And so you share the gospel with them and and, and, and you invite them to church so that I can share the gospel with them and, and you pray for them and you pray for them and you pray for them and yet you see nothing. No results. It can be very disheartening. And it's on that note that Paul says, let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Uh, it, Listen, can I just say to you that sometimes there's more going on than meets the eye? It's like when you plant a seed, right? You plant the seed, you sow the seed in the ground, and on the surface, it looks like nothing's happening. looks like nothing is going on. But you know what? Below the surface, that seed might be germinating. Below the surface, that seed might be taking root. And one day, you might just see it sprout to life. If you don't give up. If you don't lose heart. I read about a, a guy who, who, for 40 years, stood on the same street corner. He went there every day after work. Day in and day out, every day after work, on the same street corner, he would hand out gospel tracts to whoever walked by. And after 40 years of doing this, he, he lost heart because it seemed like, like, it, like it, was, it was doing no good. I mean, the only thing he ever got, he, he never saw any, any fruit. He never saw anybody get saved. He never saw anybody, you know, give their lives to Jesus. All he saw was persecution. People making fun of him, throwing things at him, and pushing him around. And so after 40 years of failed ministry, he gave up. Now, years and years later, he's walking by the same street corner, and he just happens to see this young man standing on the same street corner handing out gospel tracts just like he used to do. So he came up, and he said, young man, I've got to ask you, how is it that you came to this very street corner to hand out gospel tracts? And the guy said, well, you know, years ago, when I was just a boy, there used to be this older guy out here handing out gospel tracts just like I'm doing. He'd hand them out and one day he gave one to me and I took it home. I read it and I gave my life to Jesus. That day changed my life. I don't see that guy around anymore. I'm thinking maybe he died and went to heaven or something. He says, but you know what? I thought, you know what? I'll pick up where he left off. I'll do what he used to do. And I'll hand out gospel tracts just like he used to do. And with tears in his eyes, the guy looked at him and said, son, I'm that man. And then from that day forward, the two of them met at the same street corner day in and day out, every day from then on, handing out gospel tracts. And listen, can I say to you, there might be someone in your life that you're praying for and you keep praying for, you've shared the gospel with them and you and you keep sharing the gospel with them, but, but it just looks so hard, it looks like it's just not gonna happen. Listen to you, listen to me. Don't give up, don't lose heart, don't grow weary. The Bible says in Psalm 126, verse 5, Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. The harvest may be coming even though you don't see anything happening below the surface. Now on that note, in verse 10, we find one more principle, and that is that reaping works. Reaping works. Verse 10, Paul says, So then, as we have opportunity, let let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now again, keep the context in mind. What's the context? The context is is restoring a brother or a sister who's fallen into sin, right? Go back to verse 1. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, restore them in a spirit of gentleness. And so now, all these verses later, here in verse 10, now it's like, like Paul is, is summing it all up by saying, so then, do good as we have opportunity. And by the way, that's how that reads in the, in the ESV, the English Standard Version, but let me read that for you out of the NIV, the New International Version, where it says, therefore as we have opportunity. So instead of saying, so then, it says, therefore. In fact, uh, the, the New King James renders it the same way. The, the New American Standard Bible renders it the same way. Many, many other English translations render it by saying, therefore. Why do I point that out? It's because it's like the therefore is connecting us to the theme of the passage. And what's the theme of the passage? I hope you know by now, because I keep telling you. I've told you like four times in this sermon. The theme of the passage is that, is that, is that if you're really a spiritual person, Well, then then if, if you have the fruit of the Spirit, if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, if you're walking, being led by the Spirit, then chances are you will one day have the opportunity to restore a brother or a sister who's fallen into sin. But you need to understand that part of the restoration process is allowing your fallen brother, your fallen sister, to reap the consequences. In fact, because quite frankly, the reaping might be the thing that leads to the repenting. It might be the very thing that, that brings them back. You know, sometimes we, we have somebody that in our lives that we love, you know, and, and, and yet they're, they're struggling. They're struggling with some kind of sin, or, or maybe they've got some, some kind of an addiction that's just ru- ruining, ruining their lives. Easy for me to say. You know, and, and, and it can be so difficult to, to watch them just basically throw their entire lives away. And so because we love them, what do we do? Oftentimes we intervene. Oftentimes we step in and, and we rescue them. Or maybe we bail them out. I mean, like literally, maybe we bail them out of jail. Or maybe we're like, you know, hey, uh, you know, I, I love you and I just want to help you, so why don't you move in and, 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 and we'll kind of take some of the burden off or, or we give them money or whatever. You know, has it ever occurred to you that we might be hindering them more than we're helping them? Has it ever occurred to you that that, 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 that maybe the best thing that can happen to them is to allow them to reap the consequences, to reap what they've sown? Why? Because oftentimes, The reaping leads to the repenting. I think a great biblical illustration of this, of someone who who was restored because they'd fallen into sin, they were overtaken by sin, and and then they repented, and so then in the end they were restored. A great illustration of this comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 5. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we we read about this young man who is literally, as as the text tells us, sleeping with his father's wife, his, his stepmother. I looked that up in the Greek and it's pronounced redneck. Because you, know, you know what they say, they, they say if you think the upcoming family reunion might be a great place to meet women, you might be a redneck. <laughs> now the problem is, is, that, is that the church there in the city called Corinth, the problem is, is they were turning a blind eye to this. In fact, not only were they turning a blind eye to this, they were actually bragging about it and boasting and saying, hey, look how loving we are. Look how accepting we are. Look how quote unquote inclusive we are that we can allow even a guy like this sleeping with his dad's wife into our church and to be a part of our church. And so Paul writes him, and he, and he chastises him. He rebukes him. He's like, hey, listen, you shouldn't be bragging about how, how loving and accepting you are. He, he says this. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, he says, You should hand this man over to Satan so that his sinful nature may be destroyed and his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. So, so what, what he's saying is that, you know what? You need to let this guy face the full brunt of his consequences for his sin because hopefully his consequences will be the very thing that drive him back to the Lord. Drive him to repentance. In fact, Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, and he says, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? In other words, he's saying, you know, here you are, you're, you're bragging about how, how inclusive you are, and how, how loving you are. Don't you know that one bad apple spoils the whole bunch? I mean, you let this guy come in and, and, and not only be a part of the church, not like just church attendance, but be, a, be on your worship team or, or be one of your teachers in the class or, or, or preach from the pulpit. You let this guy come in because you're, you're all-inclusive. Well, you know what? By letting him come in with what he's doing, then you have to let this person come in with what they're doing and that person come in with what they're doing. One bad apple spoils the whole bunch. So basically, Paul's telling them to kick this guy out of their fellowship. To, to kick this guy out of their church so that he can face the full consequences of his sin. So in the end, that, that's what they do. They, they follow Paul's advice. They, they disfellowship him. They, they kick him out. But then something else happens. Because then in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, Paul has to talk to him again about the same guy. The, the, the guy they disfellowshipped. Um, and, and as it turns out, they, they did disfellowship him. They did what Paul said. But then the guy repents. He breaks off this sinful relationship with his stepmother and and, and he repents. He gets right with the Lord. He's walking with the Lord again. But now there's a new problem. And the new problem is now they were refusing to forgive the guy and restore the guy. Don't you love these guys? I mean, one minute they're, they're like too loving and too forgiving. And all of a sudden they're not forgiving enough. And so now Paul has to write to him in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, and he says, now, however, it is time to forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. So I urge you to now reaffirm your love for him. He's saying, look, the whole purpose of, 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 of kicking him out, of the tough love part of it, was to get him to repent, to get him to come back. But now that he's come back, you've got to restore the guy. But ultimately, this just reminds us that reaping Works. Allowing them to reap, allowing a brother who's living in sin to reap what they've sown has the potential to drive them to repentance and bring them back to the Lord. In fact, listen to this. God says in Jeremiah 2:19, Your wickedness will punish you, your backslidings will rebuke you. In other words, it's the reaping that, that rebukes you, it's the reaping that corrects you, it's the reaping that leads you back to repentance. Listen, this isn't just something I believe. This is something that I've lived. This is something that's happened in in my personal life. I mean, many of you know my story. Um, You know know that that when I was almost 16 years old, that's when I got saved. That's when I gave my life to the Lord, my, my sophomore year in high school. But then by my senior year in high school, when I was 18 years old, I got into hardcore rebellion won't get into all of it because I don't want to glamorize the past. But, but, you know, lots of drinking and, 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 and fighting and just, I mean, you, you, you think of it. I was probably doing it. It was just, I was doing like 10 years worth of sin in one year. Just hardcore. And, and it finally got to the point that my, my aunt and uncle, and, and keep in mind, I was living with my aunt and uncle. They're the ones who led me to Christ. My uncle, one Sunday after church, we come home and, and he comes in my room and he's like, hey, bub. And I always knew it wasn't going to be good when it started with, hey, bub. He's like, hey, bub. We, you know, we, we've, been, we've been watching the way you live. Your aunt and I, you know, we, we noticed the way you're living. Look, you're 18 years old. You're now a man. You can live any way you want to live. I mean, you know, but I got to tell you, if you're going to live like this, you're probably going to end up dead or in jail or both. He said, but you know what? You're 18 years old. You can live any way you want to. But in this house, we live for the Lord. And you're not doing that, so you need to leave today. He then grabbed a trash bag and helped me pack all my stuff in a trash bag. Pack was kind of, you know, that's overestimated. Just kind of cram all my stuff in there and then load it up. We get in the car and he drops me off at the nearest apartment complex in the parking lot and just you know, drops me off at the corner and says, good luck, bub, and drives off. It's a Sunday afternoon. Apartment management offices are not open. And now I'm standing there with this big old bag and, and, and I'm like shocked. And I'm like, how could they do this to me? I thought they loved me. I threw myself a major pity party. And I wish I could tell you that that right there, that was enough. That right there, you know, I I, I repented and, and changed my life. But no, that's not how it happened. I went from bad to much, much worse. And went from hardcore to whatever is worse than hardcore. I went on this major downward spiral that, that included all kinds of stuff. I won't get into all of it, but it included breaking into cars and, and, and stealing stereos and pawning them to, to, to make money or strip dancing for money or, or whatever and, 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 and just doing this and doing that. And, 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 if, you know, and, and then all of a sudden, as I was going you know, from sin to sin to sin, all of a sudden I started reaping. I started reaping. And, 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 and I was losing jobs and I couldn't keep a job. And, and, and basically I became homeless. You know, it's either in a car or, or couch surfing. And, and, and then ultimately go to, go to jail two or three different times. And finally, after reaping and reaping and reaping, you know what happened? I eventually got tired of reaping. And it was the reaping that led me to repentance, it was the reaping that brought me back to the Lord. In the end, it was their tough love that God used to bring me back to Him. And so can I say to you this morning that if you have a prodigal in your life, a rebel in your life, you know, maybe it's a son, maybe it's a daughter. In fact, for that matter, maybe it's your own spouse who right now is, is angry with God mad at God, and they've turned their backs on God. Can I just encourage you this morning and say, don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. You know what? Keep praying for them. Keep sowing spiritual seed in their life because you know what? One day you may very well reap a bumper crop in return. love the way Greg Laurie puts it on the radio when he says, they can outrun you, but they can never outrun your prayers. So you keep praying for them. You keep sowing that spiritual seed. But listen, as hard as it may be to watch, you need to let them reap what they've sown. As I said before, it's the reaping that leads to repentance. It's it's a part of God's plan. And who knows? But one day, just, just just as my aunt and uncle saw me one day repent, one day you may very well see them repent as well. But listen, when they repent, can I tell you, he restores them. God said this in Jeremiah 3.22. He said, return, you backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. When they repent, he restores them. So it stands to reason that if, that if he is, it, it would restore the repentant believer, the repentant backslider who's returned, if he would restore them, then it stands to reason that if his spirit's in you, that if you are filled with the spirit, if you're a spiritual person, if, if, if you are following the spirit in your life, if he would restore them, then it stands to reason, doesn't it, that you should too? despite how much they hurt you, despite what they've done to you, despite all the history, that if they return, if they come back, if they've actually repented and they're right with God, you who are spiritual would restore such a one. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Calvary Brighton podcast. To find out more about our ministry in Brighton, Colorado, go to calvarychapelbrighton.com.